Hi, welcome back, everybody. Hello. Hi. I think it's our second episode oh, today. Oh, wait. Yes, we have Sophia over there. Yeah, hi. <laughs> I'm Maya, hi. <laughs> welcome to the Unscientific Scientists podcast. This is our second episode, if you can tell. We figured out a couple of stuff. The quality of the audio should be way, way better now. We are very deeply sorry for the first episode. Yeah. We were still figuring out stuff, but now it should be hopefully it's way better. better now. Yes. Okay. So first of all, uh, cheers. Cheers. So what are we what are we talking about today? We wanted to talk about body integrity identity disorder or short BIID or just BID, if you just want to call it body identity disorder. I honestly, I don't know how we came up with that topic, but I, it was on our list. <laughs> so we I were remember. like, okay, let's do it. One of our, uh, one of our, yeah, yeah. One of our girlfriends uh, suggested this topic. Remember? Ah, okay. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. There was something. <laughs> Just, just so like everyone knows, it's not the only like we are not the only one who's who's weird. All of our friend group <laughs> is weird. <laughs> yes. So maybe uh, let's start off with a definition, so people know what mm -hmm. exactly we are talking about today. BID, let's say it again, body identity disorder is a very rare, infrequently studied, and highly secretive condition in which there's mismatch between the mental body image and the physical body. Subjects suffering from BID have an intense desire to amputate a major limb or severe the spinal cord in order to become paralyzed. Meaning there are people out there who feel like their body, how it is, is not right, not how it's supposed to be. And to be like their whole self, they want to basically chop off a leg for example because otherwise it would be their true self wait so does this include people who want to um intentionally get paralyzed and stuff yeah basically oh i don't know why for some reason i just thought that it's about cutting stuff off yeah i mean it's very rare like very very rare that people have this disorder And mm -hmm. it's not well uh, researched. So actually, there are like still like a lot of question marks in that field. And but yeah, basically, mm -hmm. you understand either you want to just like cut off a body part from you or maybe you even want to go paralyzed. Does it include people that are not? Okay, how, how, how should I explain this? <laughs> so like, you know, people who either can't stop cosmetic surgeries or you know they just like want to change mm -hmm. how they look so much that they just go to extremes no i don't think you can put those people into this category it's really about huh, okay you know mostly i mean kind of like that paralyzing but like you know the disabled part i think is the important one here because mm -hmm. they are walking around with two legs but their brain tells them well i actually should only have one leg and they want to get basically rid of it it's mm -hmm. it's not like a i don't i want to get a nose job because i hate my nose that's different okay huh. so <laughs> the things you learn on 
the unscientific <laughs> scientist podcast. <laughs> so yeah, actually, before people came up with the word BID, basically, it was called, and I most certainly are gonna pronounce this wrong, apotemnophilia. Mm-hmm. That comes up in <laughs> okay, my okay, nice stuff. Too. Well, it was basically the the word they had for it before they came up with the new word like body identity disorder so Mm -hmm. yes let's talk a bit more about it in detail maybe for some people they were like okay this sounds very strange to have like a thought like this or a desire to amputate a body part as absurd as it sounds it feels very real to those affected people and it's a serious mental illness for many this desire already starts in their childhoods that's as much as science can already tell. It's basically how I said, a part of their own body feels strange and foreign, which in addition often leads also to depression and like low self-esteem. And those people, they, mm, some or like many of those, they just want to tie off their body parts or try or even try to find doctors who are willing to amputate them because they have such a bad desire to like, I don't know, lose that arm or lose that finger. These people also often admire the beauty of a stump and see amputees as like heroes who still master their life in spite of their handicap, which obviously is a good thought, but it's kind of like... It is, but like... Not good to be in their position, you know what I mean? Like like purposefully putting yourself in that position. Yeah, like why would you, why would you want to handicap yourself on purpose? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... Something I guess most people won't really understand. It, it's this is mostly a psychological disorder, right? We're gonna get to that um, because if <laughs> because obviously, like I said, it they don't really know about their view theories. Even those people can't really explain why they want amputations. Um, most say it's just a feeling; it's not right how it is. I th- read something about a person who explained it like being the same as being heterosexual or homosexual. It's just a part of their personality and not really a choice. Like they're saying they're Mm -hmm. born like this, basically. To kind of cope with their condition because like it can cause a lot of emotional pain for those people to like to to have the desire to lose an arm, for example, and obviously not being able to actually do it. They um, pretend to be amputated to feel better, better and less stressed about it. It's basically like the closest they get to a real amputation, like when mm-hmm. they tie off the arm or something. Is it kind of? I'm sorry. I just keep. I just have so Go many ahead. questions. I Please. don't know what this <laughs> lab class done to me, but I just have so many questions. So, like, is it something? like uh just tying off like a arm leg whatever is it bordering kind of a kink like uh, you know when people suffocate themselves or something like that i mean no i would say there is like the stereotype about that it's like kind of sexual connection to those people and mm-hmm. um, that they feel like sexually aroused by the thought of the amputation which is Let's say in most cases, not true. It does or did happen that it's also like a sex part of their sexuality, but um, not for most. Hmm. 
Okay. As far as my research uh, told me. So if you notice someone with repeated unexplained injuries to the same part of their body, it may be possible that they uh, experience this kind of disorder, mm. actually. I wouldn't compare it with like people who are self-harming. So don't switch that up. But yeah, that's maybe one thought to keep in mind. But like like I said, it's extremely rare that people experience this kind of disorder. Yeah, you know, just when you're casually diagnosing your next door neighbor with the <laughs> rarest body identity disorder thing, just don't mix it up, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, all right, so there's still a lot of questions about this topic. Yeah, and apparently, and I have have them all. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I can answer them all because now we're getting to the theories, kind of. So there still has to get done a lot of research in this field to find out more about the reasons and how to treat it because there's no cure yet for this. Mm-hmm. You can, I think with some therapy, you can lower their pain somehow. I don't know if with medication or therapy or combined, but you can't cure it. And there are three theories uh, for the cause of BAD, which are either, uh, which are early childhood trauma, which can be the cause for so many other it's, things as well. Yeah, so. I sometimes forget that people can see my face, but I was like, that's literally the cause for everything come on yeah exactly second obsessive compulsive tendencies Mm -hmm. third over identification with amputees oh okay um i didn't really go that deep into that because it's just like theories um that weren't that interesting in my opinion (laughs) i wanted to go more into the neurological studies behind this because Mm -hmm. like i read a study about this um it it is called for people who want to look it up it is called neural correlates of body integrity dysphoria neural correlates of body integrity dysphoria yes that's the name (laughs) so basically in this study uh the scientists examined 16 men who had the desire to remove uh their left healthy leg all of them they kind of like they kind of like looked at the brain and the structure and what could be different from let's say in quotation marks normal people Mm -hmm. um so for that you have to know of the brain's material is made of so-called white and gray matter so you have inside white matter and outside you kind of have like the gray matter it's very roughly described right now (laughs) But uh, yeah, so um, what scientists found out was that the gray matter of the brain uh, was different in people with BID. Hmm. Was it like they had more or less or? We're going to consider that now. <laughs> I'll shut up. <laughs> but you're, you're asking the right questions. You're asking the right there questions. There are no stupid questions here. <laughs> exactly. So a part of the gray matter is responsible for uh, how you view herself, how your image of your body is inside your head. Well, then mine is fucked. (laughs) Let's not get into that. (laughs) Sorry. Um, So your your head has basically like a minute, uh, an image about how your body is supposed to look like. To be exact, part of the brain is the right parietal lobe 
it's like um, centered on top of your head on the right side. That's the, the brain area we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So they found out that the less gray matter in the right parietal lobe, the bigger the wish to be amputated. Oh. So yes, there is, it depends apparently, or they think it's correlated to like how much of the gray matter you have mm -hmm. there. There and also in like another part of the brain, like the right paracentral lobe. I don't really remember where exactly that was. <laughs> But let's say a different area of the brain. Uh, it's also like the less uh, gray matter and less connections to the other parts of the brain mm -hmm. what is the saying is basically like your um, that part of the brain is not as well connected to the rest of your brain in normal people so basically the communication is either worse or non-existent yes let's say not not non-existent yeah, but um, when i worse. said it definitely not as well yeah when i said it i realized that's uh that's a little that's a little too strong but you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah so but you just you just gave me an idea for a new episode <laughs> oh my god but it's, i'll keep it in mind no 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 let's keep it write in mind. it down otherwise it's going to get <laughs> lost i don't know in your forehead or something okay okay, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> by the way we have so many ideas like i think we have a like a shared document somewhere on our drive which has like 17 pages of just ideas right after each other so yeah but so we have enough to if anyone has talk about any ideas we are welcoming them so get in touch with us send us an email or an instagram you can find on yeah i guess top off the spotify or wherever you're listening yeah, to this like, or instagram wherever like we have it posted everywhere you can I think we have it at the end of each episode too. So you're gonna, you, you can find us if you really want to send us a bird messenger, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Smoke signs. I'm okay with that. Morse code. <laughs> I am ready. Okay, so let's get back to the study. I'm almost done. Okay, so we now know. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's English. <laughs> yes. That the connection from a certain brain area is less good connected with the rest of the brain in people with BAD. So basically, there's thought to be a connection between the changes in the brain structure and mental health. One thing they couldn't really figure out is <clears throat> they couldn't tell if the brain change caused BAD. Or the other way around. Oh, okay. You know? Which came first, the egg or the chicken? Yes. <laughs> exactly, basically. Okay. There is like still a lot of questions um, about this field. But yeah, very interesting, very rare. And probably that's the reason why it doesn't have that much attention, that much mm -hmm. research. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so much to me or my part <laughs> of this of this topic Aww. Maya I'm very very excited for the story <laughs> no you're you not <laughs> no you're not <laughs> because you always dig so deep you find the worst stories always <laughs> like I like I always say you cannot stop me I will do my worst <laughs> so let's get to it I'm going to talk about 
Dr. Brown. Dr. Brown. That's that's a memorizable name. Right? Like when you hear it, you would just be like, yeah, okay, that sounds legit. I can remember that one. <laughs> I'll wait for it. <laughs> okay. So Dr. Brown was born in 1922. So he's an oldie. No shade for the very old 1920s babies. Wait, what are we talking about? They would actually be a hundred years old this day, like this year. I am pretty sure oh, they yeah. are not listening to us. Anyways, he was a he was the son of a physician, so his dad was also a doctor, and he was really really good at school, and he graduated high school at sixteen. Don't tell me he had a normal childhood. <laughs> Actually, we're kind of going to come to that part, but okay. yes, he was drafted to the, the US Army in World War II and he scored so high on the, I think it's the entry exam or like the, uh, it's called the Army General Classification Test. He scored mm -hmm. so high that the, the Army just sent him to medical school. Yeah, he did that and then he graduated from medical school in 19... 47 then he worked as a general practitioner for almost 20 years but then uh, he almost lost a, a patient in a routine uh, thyroidectomy so because of that he was like okay i think i'm gonna go back to school and get my actual surgical training you know he never had that you said he graduated. Yeah, but he graduated as a general doctor. Ah, okay. Never like specialized. Exactly. So he went back to school to get his like specialization, I guess, from surgery. So he, mm -hmm. he did that, but he was really, really good at written text, like exams. But when it came to like oral examinations, he, he flunked out and he couldn't do it. Was he shy? <laughs> Uh, no, uh, you will, you will, you will realize it later. He was everything but shy anyways. So yeah, he failed that surgery training thing after that. He, I guess he just couldn't take the loss and he just, uh, blamed his domineering father. So I guess his childhood wasn't the best either, but okay. Anyways, so in the 70s, Brown was uh, doing a lot of uh, gender affirming surgeries on, on uh, transgender patients and stuff. Oh, by the way, <clears throat> disclaimer, because of my English, okay? I mix his, hers, he, she thinks like that a lot, okay? I did that with the grandma in the first episode. I called her him, so. <laughs> All right, I remember. <laughs> I'm sorry. If I do this, this episode, and it's about, you know, transgender people, I, it's 100%, I don't mean it, okay? I promise. It's just my, I don't know why it's so hard for me in English. Anyways, back to this asshole. He had a small clinic in San Francisco, and... Obviously, he was doing these surgeries illegally because he didn't pass the surgery thing that he had. Mm -hmm. So he claimed that he performed over 600 gender reassignment surgeries 
most of his his patients obviously were trans women okay so a man who wanted to get yes. turned into woman yes. okay well he had other patients too but we will get to it but these were most of his patients we're still talking about the 1970s so um in 1970s and honestly even today there's still like a stigma on on trans people so imagine that in the 70s anyways so most of his patients were people who couldn't afford all of the super expensive you know like surgeries and stuff like that from they what they would get from a reputable source so you could basically say he is a good person for helping those people become their true selves he would have been if he would be legally allowed to hold a knife but he wasn't he was for a reason <laughs> no <laughs> we will get to it okay in gender reassignment programs in the early 60s, 70s, like they had those kind of prog programs, but from like a super like prestigious organization, for example, like from Job Ho Johns Hopkins, there were like very, very strict rules. Just to mention a couple, like you had to go through extensive physical and mental evaluation and they had a very, very low acceptance rate. Like from 2000 people, there were around 20 to 25 people accepted to these kind of programs. But in comparison to Brown, Brown was willing to operate on anybody who would pay him without any, you know, tests or anything. He was just like, yeah, sure. Give me the money. I'll do it. Okay. He's like, pay me and I'll make it possible. Yeah, sure. We will fix it. Wink, wink. <laughs> that sounds bad. <laughs> it is. Um, so obviously, like people who were desperate, they were very thankful for these kind of opportunities. He had to operate from his office and on an out outpatient basis, which meant that like they had the surgery and they were like, okay, bye bye, go home, however you want to, bye. How do you call it when you oh when they uh, sleep? <laughs> Uh, an, an, uh, anesthesia? Anesthesia. Yes. Anesthesia. <laughs> English. Yeah. So, and also... After full-on anesthesia, they just sent the people home. Yep. I think it's the best to mention now that sometimes they, whenever they, they were done or the patient couldn't pay or something like that, they just put them outside and do whatever you want. Yeah, they just like sometimes left them to live or die, whatever. Also, he didn't have like a fully equipped operating room. He just operated in his office. And also people called him the tabletop doctor because he was willing to operate in on on kitchen tables. So that's why, fun. Why did no one sue him? Like, why didn't anybody go to the police? Well, we're still talking about trans people in the 70s and 60s. Mm. You know, there's okay, there's, a, there's still like a shame behind mm. this. Also, like how they weren't able to pay for the expensive surgery. How are they going to sue someone now? True. And most of the time he didn't give any kind of aftercare at all either. A lot of the time people didn't survive. Okay. Do you know like the survival rate maybe? 
I don't know exactly the survival rate, but the thing is that he he had a lot of lot of lot of mistakes. So <laughs> it's like he's practicing on them. Like, oops, wrong yep. stitch. Whatever. I guess I'll mention it now that he did not use a sharp knife. He had to go like back and forth to cut the skin like a like bread. Yeah, exactly. Oh, like his God. his his uh, scalpel wasn't sharp enough for that. He also a Don't bunch give of the me times pictures like this in my head. It's <laughs> cool. He Ew. also a bunch of the times he used skin inside the vagina that would Wait, what? grow hair. <laughs> okay, yeah, of course he he performed operations for people to make them a vagina, and he just used yeah skin Normal that would skin. exactly skin that would grow hair and but you, you need can like a sensitive that, like, skin inside there that has a certain ph value I, i'm not going to pretend i know how gender reassignment surgeries work but i know that i'm pretty sure you're not supposed to grow hair inside your vagina yeah holy fuck yeah so people I'm sorry who, for this question but how must i feel well i will I will tell you how must that feel. It felt nothing. It no, they felt nothing because, like, as the hair grew, it got infected. Oh. It was just a mess, Obviously. and you can imagine, like, yeah. a fresh surgery that gets infected. It's not a fun. It's Oof. not a good start. Yeah. Other than that, uh, once he used too many, too not too many, too much erectile tissue. So whenever the, I'm not laughing, whenever this is said, whenever, stop, don't look at me like that. I love, I love how you just have to remind yourself. <laughs> I am not laughing. <laughs> this is serious. Okay. Okay. So um, whenever the women, <laughs> stop. <laughs> okay, so... Um, one time he used too much erectile uh, tissue and when, whenever the, the woman got aroused her vagina got a little boner <laughs> how? <laughs> how how does that look like so to be honest was okay, that painful well Probably. I can imagine that wasn't fun but uh, a lot of yeah. the times he did these kind of surgeries that way so he just cut the I'm sorry for the male listeners if we ever have any anyways. So he just cut the penis in half and he just sewed the thing back to the pelvis. You know what I mean? He would like saw the two halves between people's legs, you know? So it would kind of create the look No, of uh, a, uh, no. Yeah. No, you can't you can't be you can't be so <laughs> You can't just go like It's like he's going the simplest, most simple oh. way. No, no, no. The most simple way is when he just cut off the penis, like how it was, and he just left it at that. So, yeah, the person just looked like a Barbie doll. Like, it was just like nothing there. What? Yeah. That, like, that is nowhere near to a vagina. <laughs> yes. Holy... <laughs> okay but i mean did he like when he cut the penis in half and then sue them mm -hmm. 
to the leg. <laughs> Did he do anything else to make like a hole kind of? Uh, not really. A lot of the times um, I, I heard, uh, you know, people tell what happened to them. And there was a couple when they said that he made the hole so small that whatever happened, if they had intercourse or even just walked, sometimes it ripped because it was so small Gosh. and so poorly done poor people yeah i mean i get it they're like desperate they want to somehow mm -hmm. become their true self and back in that time it was not possible any other way mm -hmm. but like couldn't you like figure out that he was shady before well you know when you're desperate was he likable well likable <laughs> not really everyone Everyone said that he had like a, a very like rude personality and he was like always disheveled, like something wasn't really right with him because sometimes he operated with half a shoe on, sometimes he... <laughs> so random. <laughs> it is. Sometimes he drank coffee while operating. He was just like, okay, let me just like snip, snip, snip. Let's have a little, little coffee break. Yeah. Also, a bunch of the times he he didn't give uh, actual what is it called? Euthanasia? No, that's is anesthesia. That oh God, that's for dogs. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> English <laughs> anesthesia. Yes. So he didn't get he didn't give um, proper anesthesia to to the patients. So a bunch of the times they even woke up or they they were like moaning during the the actual they must have surgery. died from the pain oh no 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 it was mostly the infection that got them because he was dirty he wasn't giving any like oh aftercare for patients it, it was just a fucking mess he operated sometimes in motel like hotel rooms and stuff like that He even operated once in his own garage. You're doing a great job in making me sad, Maya. <laughs> I know, I'm very good at that, thank you. Okay, let's get back to it because we have a lot to go through. Yeah, where does the BID part start? I, I promise it has something to do with this, okay? I promise. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so uh, in 1977, he lost his medical license after one of his patients died and someone also sued him finally. Thank God. Yes. He was also charged with uh, allowing actual patients to work completely unqualified like him to help him during the, the operations. Yeah. And he did that actually as a payment for their own surgeries. So if you couldn't pay or Whatever. You had to work for him? You had to work for him to help him. No knowledge, no practice. Yep. Just help me cut up some people. Yeah, just like him. I mean... <laughs> Why the fuck not? <laughs> yeah, but anyways, so after he lost his medical license thing, he still just kept practicing, but he kept practicing outside California. Actually outside of the US. He literally just moved over to the other side of the border 
and he started practicing from Mexico, but still like advertising his, his, <laughs> this is funny kind of, and very, very smart, I don't know, business plan or whatever, but he advertised his surgical, you know, wonders in the US as, as an international super business or something. Wow. Yeah. He, in, the, uh, in the meantime, Very. he was ran out of America and he had to move to Mexico. <laughs> Very international here. Yeah. Anyways, in 1986, an article was published about him. Apparently, it reported like his procedure about penis length increasing, like technique. And it was... It was kind of like an advertisement. It was like an actual article about him. Like, yes, this dude made up this this kind of procedure and he can make your penis bigger. So it was I think it was a as it was a positive article. <laughs> oh god. Yeah. And after that, okay. there was also a documentary published a couple of years later. This was kind of when shit hit the fan because um it was titled the worst doctor in america and kind of portrayed dr brown as as he was so <laughs> he like a documentary showed him how he did the procedures and it was just a, a mess sometimes he stumbled on can you still find that documentary can you still watch it? i honestly i was just so traumatized after this story that i was not ready to google this again <laughs> ever again understand but yeah so with this documentary like they show everything sometimes he stumbled on his own words sometimes he was just acting like super weirdly like I mentioned, the sipping coffee, having a little talk, not giving anesthesia to people. Everything was mm. caught on camera, like it's on film. Some of his patients were swearing by him. Like some of the people said that, oh my God, this is the best thing that ever happened to me. And some of them were like, no, he mutilated me. So it was kind of like, you know, I don't want to say 50-50, but definitely like some people were saying that, yes, he's, he's a good doctor. But overall, this was kind of the time when he earned a reputation and uh, the nickname of Butcher Brown amongst like the trans community because he just hurt so many people. In 1990, he spent 19 months in prison for practicing medicine without a license, obviously. And after prison, he actually worked as a taxi driver for a couple of years to, you know, to save a little, you know, so he can get started again, because that's what everybody wants. In 1998, you know what's crazy? We were alive by that time. 1998. Yeah. And he was still practicing. Yeah, and he was still practicing and doing all kinds of weird shit. Anyways, so... In 1998, Brown, Dr. Brown, Butcher Brown, performed a leg amputation on Philip Bondi. He was a 79-year-old uh, retired satellite engineer from New York. 
and he did this surgery from his lovely international business from Mexico. <laughs> In Mexico. Bondi was actually suffering from BID and he wanted his, his leg cut off. Reportedly, he was also sexually attracted to amputees and amputated legs and things like that. Oh, interesting. Okay, so he, so he, he was like one of the guys who was very, very mm -hmm. rare. Yeah. Who is like BID plus he's also sexually aroused yes. by amputees, yes. amputations. At that time, and even I think today, only a very, very few people, doctors, would perform a surgery like this because it, it violates the Hippocratic Oath, you know, do no harm, these kind of stuff. Yeah, obviously. I mean, understandable. I think even these days, yeah, I don't know. It would be very hard to find someone who would like do this. Exactly. Kind of I think it's, I would say it's a little like a gray area. You know, because do no harm, but they don't want it and they would harm themselves otherwise. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's True. a little gray area. After this, this surgery happened, Bondi was found dead in a, in a California hotel room. And he was found by Dr. Drag M. Firth, who was a New York child, child psychologist. He also suffered from BID. So they actually kind of like found oh, each okay. other. Yeah. They kind of found each other and they actually so they knew each other. Yes. They were friends and uh, they actually traveled together to, to Mexico to get the surgery together. But the child psychologist, he like a best friend trip. <laughs> <laughs> Look. Look, a couple of years ago, we went to Italy together. Some people do this instead. To let their dreams come true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. But yeah, Dr. Greg, the child psychologist, actually, like, noped out of it after the last second before he could have gotten his surgery because he saw mm -hmm. one of the doctor's assistant just walk around with a huge-ass knife. And he was like, mm -mm, not today, Satan. Not today. So he just noped out of it. This doesn't seem professional. I mean, lucky for him. Yeah, literally. They did an autopsy on Bondi and they found that he actually died because of gas gangrene. And because of what? Gas gangrene. It's, uh, we will get to it, what that is actually. Okay. Uh, the police went and searched Brown's home and they found a massacre. They found blood-soaked towels everywhere a couple of towers were just like soaking in the bathtub in bleach there were sheets and mattresses just soaked in blood there were just like uh anesthesia anesthesia how do you say it like uh, anesthetizing whatever there were just like drugs everywhere and there were a lot of super glues everywhere because that's what he used instead of sutures he just like super glued things together and hope for the best <laughs> oh god yeah police also discovered videotapes of brown's operations and th these are not videotapes from the uh, documentary that was done these are actual videotapes that he's done 
himself and there were also a couple that was gave to him as a present from actual happy customers and things like that so they had evidence okay. for days Crazy. so that was like his reason why he recorded the procedures no actually he just loved to just like he just loved himself show them their patients no, he just loved himself so much okay. watching himself yeah um there was okay. there was one tape when he accidentally nicked something like an like a blood vessel and there was just like blood squirting everywhere and he full-on just said oops i made a boo-boo what the fuck? yep yeah i know so anyways brown was prosecuted in california for second degree murder obviously and a surgeon who was a witness for the prosecution testified that brown had not left a large enough skin for the amputee's like wound so mm -hmm. it couldn't it, it didn't cover it properly like it wait how do you say it so the the skin didn't cover the bone and the stump properly yeah. because it didn't have enough skin so the skin was just like stretched so much that it didn't have any circulation yeah. and because of that it allowed an infection of the flap itself died and that allowed an infection of clostridium perfringis i don't know how to say that in english but anyways that is a gram positive rod shape anaerobic pathogenic bacterium and okay. this produced gangrene which basically microbiologist <laughs> i'm trying <laughs> so um yeah and that basically just let gangrene to set in it's when your tissue just dies on so you. um sorry yes he he actually got convicted for the procedure or murder of on dundee yes or so although a a lot of uh, transgender people came and and told their you know experience still there were a couple of them who still supported him okay i don't know and yes at the end he was uh, convicted and sentenced for 15 years to life to prison but he died in 2010 in prison um i think like yes two months before his 88th birthday okay so he actually got very old i mean not really i mean yes he got pretty old but he was doing surgeries up until like almost 2000 so he was barely in prison for like a couple of years like i don't know maybe 10 years oh, or something that's not fair it is not fair <laughs> but yeah so that is butcher brown Ugh. do you still think it was a good idea to start a podcast with me <laughs> <laughs> actually yes <laughs> Thank you. Not like he had a You're choice, welcome. but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who who doesn't like to listen to disturbing horror stories? Right? I think so too. This is just perfect. It's like a perfect thing <laughs> you do on a Monday night. Yes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. 
So I guess we're at the end. I don't know. I don't think that was a lovely story. I don't think that was a good idea because now everybody is just like so depressed and just like, oh, God, fuck the world. Seriously. And yeah. now we're just like, okay, that was it. Bye. Have a nice day. <laughs> True. Maybe we should think of something, something we could talk about after those kind of stories to yeah to kind of enlighten the atmosphere or like like the mood i have no idea funny stories from our lives we have a lot of those (laughs) what's something like i don't know tell me something nice something nice oh my god how depressing is our life if you can't even think of (laughs) one thing (laughs) oh fuck yeah yeah i hate mondays i'm sorry no i completely agree but yeah maybe for next time we can think of something yes give give us give us suggestions what should we do with ourselves after we completely got into a depressive episode over over my story (laughs) ask questions oh my god (gasps) we could oh my god that would be so much fun we could read and answer questions or some something yeah, why not? Yeah, I don't know. Send us questions. If we get any. <laughs> Send us stories. You know, last time. Oh yeah. Last time Your we talked stories. about we talked about spontaneous human combustion, right? Yes. Yes. Send us stories. Send us. I don't know. Did your aunt spontaneously human combust? Tell us the story. Or did you ever know someone who has or had BAD? Yes. Who knows? Or you are one. Honestly. We probably have like 17 different questions just from the top of our head. Yeah. Then let's say we're getting to an end here. Thank you for listening. And we will see you in the next episode. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate us so we know you had fun with us. We have many more episodes planned, but if you have any suggestions on topics we should research for you, just send us an email to unscientificscientists at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at unscientificscientistspodcast and on Twitter at unscientificpod.